This morning we're going to be looking at a passage um, that follows on from one that we saw um, from Steve a week or so ago, or last week even. And if I'd probably thought about it a bit more, I might have put one between this one and that one, but never mind. There's some similarities between this passage and the one that um, Steve covered. However, there's some also some differences. So this is Mark 10, 35 to 45. Then James and John, the son of Zebedee, came to him saying, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. And he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? They said to him, Grant us that we may sit, one on your right hand and the other on your left, in your glory. But Jesus said to them, You do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink and be baptised with the baptism that I am baptised with? They said to him, We are able. So Jesus said to them, You will indeed drink the cup that I drink and with the baptism I am baptised with, you will be baptised. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it's for those whom it is prepared. And when they heard, and the ten heard it, they began to be greatly displeased with James and John. Then Jesus called them to himself and said to them, You know that you are, and those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles, lorded over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to be great among you shall be your servant, and whoever of you desires to be first shall be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. When we look at just the outline of chapter 10, so chapter 10 starts off with a discussion about marriage and divorce, um, and then um, that passage uh, is talking about the kingdom of God, you know, for children. The rich man, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And the Peter's um, response to that, you know, we've left all uh, and our reward is in heaven. And then Jesus talks again about his betrayal, being killed and raised on the third day. And it's interesting um, because the, both the passages in Mark, what follows pretty close afterwards, this question of, you know, uh, what can I get? And it's different to the last one. The last one, it was, you know, they came back down and they'd been discussing who was the greatest. Ah, this time, look, we've got it solved. We'll go straight to the source. Guess what? Jesus, how about you just do whatever we ask you? With the expect, you know, who's, who's going to sign up for that? Here, here's a blank contract. Just sign down the bottom. Yeah, sure, no worries. And it's, um, they hit him up with, you know, who, I want one on your right, one on your left. And we'll get into that in a bit. Okay, and then um, blind Bartimaeus afterwards being healed. Just as a, a bit of background, um, because it's come up in the last couple of passages, you'll notice that uh, he's getting more detailed in his descriptions of what's coming. So he's starting to spell out um, in chapter 10 much more of the detail that he's been talking about um, as he goes on um, through the previous ones in 8, 9 and 10. However, that's just um, for your information. So, James and John then, um, as I said, they've now come up to Jesus and it's interesting that, you know, it seems to have gone straight over their head. So, here's Jesus talking about 
being betrayed, delivered up to the Gentiles, being sentenced to death, going to the crucifixion. And where are they going with all of this? Just gone straight over their head. They're thinking about what's their position going to be in heaven. All right. They're probably again thinking, oh, Jesus is going on to Jerusalem, restore the earthly kingdom, so where am I going to be in this kingdom? You know, I want to be on the right and I want to be on the left. And the significance of what they're asking, you've heard of the expression right-hand man? Think of it from a king's point of view. The right-hand man almost spoke with the authority of the king. Alright? So it's a position of immense power, like second in charge almost. Think, um, Joseph in Egypt when the plague comes. What does the Pharaoh do? Puts Joseph over just about everything. Alright? To deal with that crisis. That's the sort of level that we're talking about. I, I try to think of something, um, for our current environment. And the, the best that I can come up with is the Prime Minister. You know, so if you think of Jesus as the Prime Minister, um, one saying, I want to be Deputy Prime Minister, um, and the other one saying, um, give me the best ministry. All right? That's sort of it. It's, it doesn't quite equate, but you sort of get the general idea. And Jesus' response to them is, and he comes back to what he's been talking about. You do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink and be baptised with the baptism that I'm baptised with? And that idea of a cup, the common metaphor for the wrath of God. And Jesus is alluding back to what he's going to go through. What does the crucifixion and all this mean? Um, And think about Isaiah, that he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed. So Jesus is taking on the wrath of God. He's going to become the punishment for sin. And the baptism one. You think of what baptism is, being immersed into or submerged into. Um, And again, that idea of Um, Jesus is about to be um, immersed into, for want of a better word, um, this whole death, burial and resurrection. Again, as part of something for other people. And it's important that that you understand that point because he's going to refer back to it at the end of this. And he's saying to them, do you really get what's happening here? Do you understand? The implication is, of course not. It's just gone straight over their head. And again, um, the imagery is used, you think about in Romans 6, he talks about, you know, we have that shared experience, and again, not to the same level, but that shared experience with the fact that, or do you not know that as many of us were baptised into Christ, were baptised into his death? Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, just as Christ was raised from the dead, by the glory of the Father, even though, um, sorry, even so, we also should walk in newness of life. And again, not the same physical one that Jesus went through, but that imagery of we're going through that same thing. But with us, it's different because with us, it's that changed life that's coming out of it. But again, it's centred on Jesus' death, 
burial and resurrection. And just to make sure you get the point, (laughs) Hebrews 9, um, but Christ came as high priest of the good things to come with a greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the bulls of the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled the unclean, sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your consciousness from dead works to serve the living God? For this reason he is the mediator of the new covenant by the means of death for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant that they who are called may receive the promise of eternal life. And again, I don't want, there's a lot of stuff in there. Um, I don't want to go into that in detail. But think about what the passage is saying. Here is the better sacrifice for the better covenant in the better holy place. And here is the sacrificial lamb that is without spot or blemish. That idea from the Old Testament that they had to be the best. All right? And Jesus became that. And not only then does he become the means by which we get forgiveness of sins, but also um, it mentions in there the redemptions of the transgressions under the first covenant. So it's that all-encompassing. So when there, Jesus is talking to the disciples then about this, you know, and it's, you don't get it. You don't understand what's going on. And it's interesting because um, they're thinking about their position. They're not thinking about what Jesus is talking about as to how all this is going to come to pass. All right? So they've missed that significance. They've missed um, all of that and therefore um, it's like saying, well, I don't know what marathon is. It used to be about 40, is it 46 miles or something like that? Something huge, right? Um, it's like you're coming in at the last 100 metres and going and running the last 100 metres and going, yeah, well, I've shared in it. And it's like, well, no, there's an awful lot more to it than that. You're just getting that sort of tail end of it. And it's interesting in the response when Jesus asks this question, um, Again, it, it just reminds me of Peter. You know, uh, and they said, yeah, we're able to do this. Hey, no problem. Uh, and and in Jesus' response then is, yes, well, you are going to, um, but not necessarily to the same degree. But just that sort of boldness of, you know, think about Peter. Oh, you know, no matter what, I won't deny you. And what does he do? He denies him three times within that night. Just that bold sort of um, statement of, oh yeah. And, and look, and that's not to say the intention wasn't there, but they don't really understand it. But Jesus' response is, uh, well, yes, you are going to share in this. All right? You are going to um, participate in the sufferings of Christ. And you think of passages like Matthew 5. You know, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And in John If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before you. 
If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, because I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. And again, that that analogy to, or not analogy, um, reference back to the way they've treated Jesus, well, that's the way you're going to be treated um, if you're being a servant of Jesus in this environment. So yes, they are going to participate um, in that. And again, not to the same degree. Um, because they're not becoming the sacrifice for sin. That's already done. That's what Jesus has done. Um, but they are going to share his faith. And he goes through all of that, and then he gets back to the actual request that they made. And the request was, can I sit on your right hand and can you... He sit on your left hand. And so Jesus deals with all of that first, and then he comes back to the actual request. Um, and his response is, it's not mine to give. Right? That is for the ones that it's been prepared for. That's God's domain as to what happens with those positions um, within the kingdom. So, and basically, um, Jesus is here to do the will of God, right? not to take over. And it's interesting again, because what happens when the ten hear it? They're displeased. Right? And you can understand that. You know, you know, what gives you the right to go and ask to be um, at the right hand of Jesus um, in his kingdom? And so you get all that indignation again um, that they should even be um, considering and asking for that. Then Jesus comes into um, dealing with that question and he starts talking about the idea of rulers. And he makes the analogy of the Gentile rulers um, and that idea that they lord it over you. Um, and it's often that you see, well, hey, there's the king there to, sitting there to rule us and make life good for us. And it's not always the way. You think about, um, Gloria loves to watch those um, Middle Ages and slightly later uh, movies about kings, particularly the English kings. And all the people who are in the courts and all the political manoeuvring that goes on. Why? Because that person wants that person's job. Or if you're the king, the son or the heir wants your job. Alright? And so there's that manoeuvring, that working towards um, getting, you know, I want to be able to have dominion over people. Uh, and not only so, it's not just the fact that God is, uh, sorry, uh, Jesus is saying that um, they lord it over you, but that sort of gar- grasping for power um, etc. Well, that's all part of it as well. All right? That sort of, you know, they give the illusion of, hey, I'm, I'm a good little servant, I'm working to you, but really I'm after it for my own sake. And, G- and Jesus responds then, and yet it shall not be among you. Whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant. And that idea of servant is one who exercises the commands of another, especially a master. Right? So you do the will of your master. And so Jesus says, this is how you become great. And this is where it's overlapping with what Steve was talking about last time. All right? That contrast between, well, that's what the Gentiles do. But you're not to be that way. You are to be one who is a servant. 
And then he restates it and he uses a different word. So the first time he uses this word that's translated servant and then just in case you missed it, and whoever of you desires to be first, here's the ambition side of it, I want to be at the top job, shall be a slave of all. And this is, it's a, the different Greek, he's got both of the Greek words in here um, so that you get the point. All right? A bondservant. And we're not talking Downton Abbey where they all get along fabulously and it's all one little happy family apart from the minor little things that go on for the drama side of it. We're talking Roman slaves. They came in, they invaded your country, they carted a whole bunch of you off to be slaves. Some of you got to go to the Colosseum. You got free tickets. Some of you worked in households. It wasn't a pleasant necessarily experience. And this is what he's calling us to be. These are the sort of words that he's using. We're to be slaves. We're to put ourselves on the bottom of the pile. And this is, um, this is not, um, I'm out there to be, uh, what would it be? Um, CEO of Microsoft. I'm out there to be the floor sweeper of Microsoft. And I'm not going to go any higher. It's going to be written into my contract. I never want to be promoted. Now, that's using a company. But that's what we're talking about for us. We are to be slaves, serving one another, serving God. And you think about it in the sense of, a slave versus, you know, what we think of the modern worker. Right? Now, we go to work, why? We get paid. Right? And some people actually do want to be boss. They didn't. Right? You do what you're told. No reward except your upkeep. You know, they keep you alive. Right? Can't leave. You can't say, oh, I resigned this week. Sorry, I'm off. Nope. Right? And again, for most of them, there was no practical uh, chance of freedom. And it just doesn't want to work for that. Sometimes it does. And this is where Jesus brings it back. And he says, and who's the example? Jesus is. Jesus came to this earth to do what? To be ruled, to rule as master? No. He came to serve. Not just serve, go through that entire death, burial and resurrection on the cross so that we, not him, could get the benefit of it. We're the recipients of that forgiveness. And it's not just us in this room, but the sort of global right back to Adam and Eve, etc. And you think about who Jesus was. Think about Revelation, the picture in Revelation. He was clothed with a robe dripped in blood and his name is called the Word of God. That's that picture of that that perfect sacrifice. And the armies in heaven and clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword. With it he should strike the nations and make himself, and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of the Almighty God. For he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So this is this after picture. 
of Jesus. And who does it call him? King of kings, Lord of lords. And yet, he's the one who came to serve. So, you think about it. You can't drop yourself. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God and was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. And in him was life, and the life was the light of man. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of him, the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And again, the other side of it, John 1, God became flesh. Same one who came to serve. And what does Philippians say about it? Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore God has wholly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee shall should bow, of those in heaven and on those on earth, and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And you think about that level of humility. Where did he start? Where did he go? And where's he gone back to? And then you think about, well, what is there that I can't not do? What can I not give up in light of that? So Jesus, he gave it all up any claim to that position or prominence and became a bondservant. Again, that same slave word. And again, describes it as obedient to the point of death. And the interesting thing is, when you look at the two verses before that section, because that section is the example, let nothing be done through the selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. For each of you should look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. So this is, this is the example that is given, the one we just read, as the justification for this statement. Because that's the example that was set. This is what we're being called to. A. Nothing done through selfish ambition, other than to be the slave of slaves. Right? And again, not because we're seeking glory, but because that's where we're humbling ourselves. Not through conceit, we're not in this for the glory, but of lowliness of mind, that humility, we esteem others better than himself. And you think about that. I work as an AIN, as well as then an RN. Wiping bottoms for a job. If you didn't consider them worth it, why would you do it? Because you don't get paid that much. Because you're there to serve. And that's part inherited in nursing. But that's what we're being called to. We've got to consider them better, otherwise we're not going to do that. We're not going to lower ourselves um, and do it. No matter what it is. Yeah. And the second part of that is, 
it's, yes, look out for your own interests, but also for the interests of others. We have to have this dual focus. It's not just about me, it's me and you. And I need to keep both of those pictures in place, otherwise, again, I'm losing that perspective, I'm no longer being a servant. So you don't starve yourself. You do look out, you feed yourself, you've got to, because otherwise you can't do it. You you remember the passage where, um, and it was, there's a game that I saw where someone had corrupted it, but basically Jesus says, whatever you want people to do to you, you do to them. Alright? So, use yourself as your measure. Would I put up with that? One of the things that I was told when I started my AIN career was um, by an RN and her point was, if it's not good enough for your mother, it's not good enough for them. And if you take that attitude in with you, then that will set your work standard. That will set your work ethic. So, if it's not good enough for me, it's not good enough for me to do it to you. And likewise, well, if I'm going to do it to me, I should be doing it to you as well. And there's a a sense in... um, that we can fall into with any of these types of things. And and this is the example where... um, Jesus talks about um, being a slave or a servant. He says, And which of you having a servant ploughing or tending sheep will say to him when he comes in from the field, Come at once and sit down to eat. But he will rather say to him, Prepare something for my supper, and gird yourself and serve me till I have eaten and drunken, and afterwards you will eat and drink. But does he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I think not. So likewise, when you have done all these things that you're commanded, say, yes, we are unprofitable servants, we have done what is our duty to do. Right? And again, that idea of, well, if I'm going to get brownie points, I'm going to do it as a servant. I'm in there for the glory. Right? And he's saying, no, servants aren't like that. Right? Masters don't go, oh, well, thank you very much for preparing my dinner today. It's like, well, that's what you always do. That's what you're supposed to do. What does it look like? And again, these things are not in isolation. In Luke 6, he says, But I say to you um, who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you. Here's our standard. Here's the other. Pray for those who spitefully use you. To him who strikes you on one cheek, offer the other also. For him who takes away your cloak, do not withhold the tunic either. Give to everyone who asks of you, and from him who takes away your goods, do not ask them back. And just as men want to, um, just as you want men to do to you, you also do them like to them likewise. But if you love those who love you, what credit is to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is it to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those with whom you hope to receive back, what credit is it to you? For even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much back. But love your enemies, do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return. And your reward will be great and you'll be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the unmerciful and evil. Therefore be merciful, just as your Father also is merciful. And again, we're not doing it for the reward. But we do it to those that 
the Gentiles or the, the sinners wouldn't do it to. Right? Those who mistreat us, those who don't like us, they're in there as well. Hebrews 10, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. So, not only are we to be doing it, we're to be exhorting and encouraging each other to be involved in this as well. Again, as part of the bigger picture as well, but... It's not just, well, I've just done that. Have I exhorted somebody else? Have they been doing it as well? Hebrew, uh, sorry, Matthew chapter 6. Um, Moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Surely, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, so that you do not appear to be men to, men to be fasting. But to your Father who is in the secret place, your Father who sees in secret, will reward you openly. Do not lay up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys nor where thieves break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also." And again, we're not into making the big show. It's not, look, oh, look at him, he's serving, isn't that great? You know why? Because, you know, you pick the most public place to do it and all that sort of stuff. And he's having a go at them for, because that's what they were doing. Well, he says, your whole point of this was to be seen of men. And guess what? You got it. But as far as God's concerned, it's worthless. All right? So it's not about the show, it's about the service. God knows what you're doing. Alright. I think we've done that one, we can skip on. Alright. Lastly, For I say, therefore, the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each a measure of faith. For we have many members in one body, but all members do not have the same function. So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion of our faith. Or ministry, let us use them in our ministry. He who teaches in teaching. He who exhorts in exhorting. He who gives with liberality. He who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without hypocrisy, abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. And I put this in just to remind us that we don't all need to be doing the same job. The idea of being given gifts, different gifts, we serve not in always in the same way. Some will serve in one way, some will serve in another way. But we ought to be about that serving. All right. Skip. Uh, just skip. Yeah, all right. Uh, skip one more. All right. I'm just running out of time, so I'm conscious of the time. Let me summarise then. We're being called to be humble servants, to be God's slaves. All right? And you were a slave before. Read Romans 6. You just happened to be a slave to sin. We're now slaves to righteousness. 
Right? We're to care for each other, we're to serve each other. And it takes active thought. That consider. Right? Use the gifts that you've been given because Jesus did this and he's our example.